Welcome to episode 54 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from Azim Rafiq's social media account manager's underground bunker, is Dr. Requesens. How you doing, Doc? I'm fine, but you're going to have to tell me where I am. All I know is I fell into a deep existential fugue um, when I was attempting to disentangle some of my tentacles last sure. night. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a depressing experience. You take a nap um, and you wake up and your tentacles are just a big matted ball in front of your face. Mm. And it's, I suppose some people find, might find it a restful experience that, you know, the, the same way that some people find it really therapeutic to pick apart a tangled ball of string. Mm. Um, but I, I find it deeply depressing. And I, I just sort of fell into this existential fugue. And when I woke up, um, there I was, sat on a small and very neat two-seater settee um, with a sign in front of me that said, um, welcome to um, Mr. Rafiq's um, social media hub. Ah. So um, I'm still there now. Right. Okay. Um, um, I'm, I'm not so much broadcasting as using his very expensive looking microphone, which mm. I actually suspect is a perfectly normal dynamic microphone dressed up to look like a Norman microphone. Mm-hmm. So um, Azim Rafiq is um, a, 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 a cricketer. Uh, played for Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Uh, it's, uh, a time of recording um, has been involved in a tribunal in which he's kind of alleging uh, institu- institutional racism at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. It all sounds very plausible, actually. You know what he's saying? It sounds, you know, it sounds right and proper that this is all being brought into the, into the light of day and that corrective steps and procedures can be put in place. Trouble is, Doc. Um, he's been, you know, accusing lots of people of using terrible kind of racist and, and, and unpleasant language. And some nosy old journalist has gone and uncovered historic tweets uh, in which he himself is bandying around, you know, um, what, could, what could only be described as kind of anti-Semitic nastiness. People in glass houses, Doc, it's one of those situations, unfortunately. It's a mysterious one for me. Mm. Um, when something, I mean, don't, don't people realise that stuff like that is, is, is a matter of public record now? Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think that's why his social media account manager has, has, <laughs> has, has taken the, the, the decision to retreat into an underground bunker where you find your very self, Doc. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's no one here now. No. <laughs> um, the, um, the safe door is swinging open and the safe is conspicuously empty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's um, no sign of a passport or any money or any valuables, mm-hmm. uh, and th- there's, there's, there's certainly no sign of human life. So yeah. I, I, I might just live here for a bit. Fair enough. I mean, I would have thought that the, you know the, the the social media account manager should, at the very least, have taken the t- time and trouble to go back through Mister Rafiq's uh, Twitter history. And delete anything that might, I don't know, make him look a little bit silly. Can you do that? I, I, as, as you know, I, I have absolutely no idea how this stuff works. Can, can you, um, like, elide your personal history in that way? Well, I, I think you can certainly, I mean, you can certainly delete tweets from your, from your his, historical profile. Trouble is, I think if somebody else has archived those tweets in their own profile, then they, they will still be extant somewhere in the world okay yeah no I, what, what i'm trying to work out is 
assuming that someone does something like that and then goes back and erases their own history um, mm-hmm. and you reckon they can do that. Um, if obviously what's probably going to happen is some of the stuff that you've said has been quoted by somebody else in something of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, can, can it be proved beyond reasonable doubt that it was you that said the stuff that this person has quoted you as saying? Well, in this case, it was screenshots. And Mr. Rafiq has today confirmed, oh, yes, that was me. And I'm terribly, terribly ashamed of myself. So in this case, certainly. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It just, it, it just puts me in mind of, you know, just, just, just a, te- like a, a terrible, terrible naivety, I suppose, Doc. You know, um, not disputing you know, Mr. Rafiq's claims of, of the, the racism that he suffered. And I think it is correct that, um, you know, this, this stuff should be highlighted, but, you know, um, it's one, one of those situations where, you know, when you're going to start throwing accusations around at other people, just better make damn sure you're fucking whiter than white. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm always curious about what the correct, and I mean, not, not just about stuff, not, not just about this guy we're talking about. What's yeah. the correct form of action now? I mean, um, if, if he withdraws his complaint, then presumably he is condoning and excusing two counts of racism. Mm, you're right. Yeah. Um, so what does he do? Push ahead with his complaint and then, I, I mean, it, it seems to me the principal thing to do would be to, because, I mean, it's not okay to be racist about somebody, whether or not they're anti-Semitic or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, what one would have seen the principal thing to do would be for him to push ahead with his complaint um, and then stand on what he did and endure a subsequent, a subsequent complaint if it were made against him. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Doc. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, um, he's he's now got to kind of uh, incur the, uh, you know, the same wrath um, as, you know, he 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 wants the, the, the you know, the the people that he alleges treated him in that way to incur themselves. It's all it swings around about, isn't it, Doc? Basically, you know, um, tricky, tricky, tricky times we live in. Yeah. Um... You actually know my feelings on this very, very well. I don't particularly think there's anything new in the world. Mm. Um, I think you'll find nasty, mean-spirited village pump gossip has been going on pretty much since there've been human communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it, and, and <clears throat> I think it's been ruining people's lives mm-hmm. um, for as long as there've been human communities. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, I and anyone who thinks it's something new, um, I would urge to at least read The Life and Death of the, Mayor of, of the Mayor of Casterbridge by Thomas Hardy, which is a fictionalized account of something that most definitely did happen, not often, uh, not frequently, but it did happen in the West Country, which is a, a particularly obnoxious instance of social shaming. Um, and, you know, just sort of thereby to discover that, that, that there's, there's, there's nothing new about this stuff in the world. Mm. Um, what's depressing is not the fact that like some new medium has arisen to facilitate it, but the fact that it's still fucking going on. Yeah. Was it Hartlepool, Doc, where they didn't, didn't they kind of hang a chimpanzee because they thought he was a Frenchman? Um, you know, I mean, there's, I actually didn't know that they hung a chimpanzee in Hartlepool. I think so. I think, I think it's Hartlepool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
for the people who claim that they are advocating social progress with several sets of inverted commas around it, um, you know, a, a, a really good form of social progress would be if we could get beyond this fucking, um, you know, village, like water pump gossip. Um, I, I'm, I think maybe like reintroducing the Skull's Bridle would be a, a, a really good idea. Elucidate for me. Oh, um, it was a, a punishment for village gossips. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like um, a cast iron ball gag with spikes on it. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And if you can somehow bring yourself to not try to speak and keep silent, it's merely uncomfortable. But mm. if you try to speak, then the, the, the spikes dig into your tongue and the roof of your mouth and, 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 and um, lacerate the edges of your mouth. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those, those, those medieval torturers, they, they had some fucking imagination, didn't they, Doc? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, do you want a video game update? That would be great. I've started playing a game called Mafia. Um, this is a remastering of quite an old game. I want to say 2005, but I might not quite be right. Um, the remaster came out early this year, late last year. So it's like bang up to date in terms of visuals. Um, it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto. Um, in, in that it's open world and you kind of play a character and you can wander around this kind of this open world city kind of do what you want pick up missions here and there um but just the the, the realization of this kind of 1930s prohibition era america um you know kind of al capone in, inspired um stuff you know all, all the gangsters with you know with their with their wonderful wonderful tailoring all kind of sporting tommy guns and mm. you know driving those beautiful old cars with like the the white wall tires it's so immersive it's it's absolutely absolutely wonderful i'm loving it doc it's a cracker i'm still plugging away with um crash bandicoot by the way i managed to get my platinum for crash bandicoot 2 um so that's done so i've now got the platinum for crash 3 and crash 2 and i'm also working now on the on the platinum for crash 1 which is the hardest of the bunch and ain't far away so yeah the uh, world of video games at the moment pretty good fun um because your experience of playing video games so take taken a downturn a little bit hadn't it mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. you're right but I'm, I'm, I'm back i'm back on back on the horse very good mm -hmm. um i had to have an mri scan today doc now i'm not going to go into the details but you know, suffice to say that i had a kind of a medical incident that, that, that requires me to have an mri i tell you what i thought doc when i was in there listening to like those clanks and bangs and, mm. you know, the wonderful, wonderful kind of evocative sound effects that you hear when you're inside there. Um, mate, I think you'll find those are sounds, not sound effects. Oh, oh God, oh, sorry. Yes, it was my, my mistake. My mistake. I do, I do generally live in a fantasy world. Um, <laughs> that's a very, very good correction. Yeah. I mean, what, what, um, uh, What's going to happen next? Um, you're going to survive a car crash and tell me how good the visual effects were. That's right. <laughs> Very good point, though. Um, but, but what it made me think of was some kind of like deeply experimental kind of proto-industrial album. Um, I thought it was absolutely magnificent, the sounds that you hear.
there was one point that probably lasted two or three minutes where you had like a like a like a metallic clanging sound that that rhythmically counted to 11 and then like a strange pulse that replaced it for another 15 so now we're kind of in this like weird kind of bass 26 musical counting system um i thought it was absolutely i thought it was absolutely fantastic doc I, 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 you know I, I wouldn't recommend you know you know have having your, your your brain explode to the point that you need an mri but at the same time it was quite an experience yeah um i um you're describing something that sounds like it should be off um, live at Andal School by Throbbing Gristle. Throbbing Gristle was the band that was in was was in my head as I was as I was lying there listening to it. You know, the, this kind of twenty like twenty six beats and then it, and then it yeah. pauses and then repeats. Um, but 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 the second part of the riff doesn't kick in until after eleven beats. Um, you know, by by about the seventh or eighth repetition, I could actually I could actually play along to it basically, kind of with my fingers. It was great. Though. I, I, Very I quite good. enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed and you it. didn't feel like you were at risk of being sexually assaulted by gay Belgians. I didn't. No, I did not. No, I mean that, that is a daily fear. Um, but strangely enough, um, in Stratford Hospital, no, I didn't feel that. Um, and I'm also assuming that when, when, when you were placed into the machine, um, mm. this wasn't done by a, a, a nurse in a latex nurse's outfit wearing a gimp mask. Unfortunately, no. I, 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 I put in the request, but it was totally. Totally ignored. Um, yeah, all, all, all of the promises of industrial music failed yeah. to come to pass, don't they? I know. Bullshit. Talking of industrial music, or oh, I mean, tangentially, um, what have we Listen. been listening to, Doc? I'm going to mm -hmm. bring. I'm going to invoke the name Perturbator. Now, I'm pretty sure that we did speak about this, but we spoke about it on the Lost Spirit in Black episodes. So I, I think it's worth a recap. I'd like you to speak to it. Uh, I'd like you to speak about it again because um, it, it was a great bit. Now forever lost, and I, I, um, I just I, I want that description again. I want to hear it. It's a perturbator, um, dark, ambient, electronica would be my description of it. Um, despite the name perturbator, which kind of sounds. I don't know why it's, it. It sounds like a band, doesn't it? Like like, like a plural kind of band. Um, in fact, it's just one guy. Um, and 
Although, no, I suppose it could be like the perturbator, like the Terminator. Um, mm. And <clears throat> it's one guy, a French guy, going by the curious moniker for a Frenchman of Jim Kent. I think he's knocked out maybe four full-length releases, a bunch of demos and EPs and stuff, and four full-length re- releases. The one I've been listening to is called Dangerous Days. I think it's from 2018, something like that. Um, imagine the soundtrack to Stranger Things. Um, n- not the soundtrack. So imagine the title music to, to Stranger Things throwing all of those kind of influences, you know, your John Carpenter, um, your Stephen King, all of that kind of goodness, and then just really, really amp up the, the darkness of it. Doc, it's fucking brilliant. Um, the fact that you mentioned that pretty much it, it sounds like something straight out of the, the early 1980s yeah. um, caught my interest. Um, as you know, I was going to say I have a troubled relationship with industrial music. I don't have a troubled relationship with it at all. Uh, it's no trouble to me. I don't like it. Sure. Um, it's far more impressed with itself than I am with it. And it, it's... Um, I always find it to be guilty of the kind of humorless machismo that heavy metal is always accused of. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of which would matter if I actually liked the sound of it. Yeah. Um, but there's only so many adverts I can read, uh, you know, where um, it, the hyperbole that it surrounds itself with would sort of make Pantera go, oh, look, for God's sake, stop trying so hard. Sure, yeah, stop being so fucking macho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, I love Mythrob and Gristle to bits. Um, I like me some DAF as well. Mm-hmm. But it's another one of those genres that sort of, I think, unraveled completely when they finally got hold of the equipment that was good as they always wished it could be. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I might be kind of leading you down the wrong path here. I, I've, I have mentioned industrial music because that, that just kind of carried on nicely from the MRI dis- discussion. Definitely. It, it is an influence, but it is not the major influence. You know, look, techno, dark ambient techno is, is, is the big the big, big influence here, just sprinkled with a bit of industrial stuff in the background. Yeah, I mean, as as long as it's not like um, the kind, um, you know, where uh, it's... And, uh, it always sounds to me like you can probably actually get um, a demo patch from a really expensive modular synthesizer that sounds like that nowadays, mm. um, with uh, like with some horror film samples and some mm-hmm. Nazi speech samples, mm. um, and then someone grunting and going "motherfucker" from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not like that, I'm more than willing to give it. Um, this, this, this is more like this is more like a mashup of, let's say, kind of the darker aspects of Gary Newman, kind of mm-hmm. you know mashed together with 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 kind of your classic 80s horror themes than it is let's say you know like, like ministry you know what you've been listening to doc honestly not very much mm-hmm. um i have i've not been inclined to listen to music very much this week no special okay. reason for that mm-hmm. um but when i get on the train in the morning um it's it's not even a conscious decision um I I just haven't. Um, what I've been listening to is a few odd tracks in the genre that I believe people popularly call future funk. Okay. Uh, approximately what you do is to take as 
obscure and old, usually Japanese, doesn't have to be pop song as you can. Um, and the ones that the ones that work best are when people go for one of the lesser known and not very good songs, normally off like the second half of side two of the album. Yeah. Um, and what you're looking for is a vocal that you can either time stretch or compress, um, so interpolate or um, extrapolate, I guess. So um, effectively speed it up or slow it down and pitch shift, um, and use the vocal for. Um, approximately very girly house music of your own composition. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a way of fixing the problem that bedroom house composers always have, which is that they haven't got a vocalist. Um, and it turns out, because it's almost entirely, well, it is entirely a DIY genre, there are far more misses than hits. Mm. Um, but if you're prepared to put in a little bit of effort, and I'm, I'm not prepared to put in much effort. Um, it's one of those genres of music that I'm perfectly prepared to approach and, and just go, you know, look, entertain me. Um, yeah, yeah. And the really nice thing about it for me is that the means by which the vocal is extracted from the rest of the music and the means by which um, presumably um, the rest of the music that someone composes using a computer or using a, a, a a small synthesizer, how all those things are like extracted from their source material and then put together to make a completely new track. It's all very mysterious to me, and I'm actually just fine with that. Sure. Uh, As, uh, give me a give me a key uh, a key like, exponent and track if you would, Doc, so we can we can splice it into the episode. Um, there's one that's um, it's not a typical example. Um, it's based on a track that's very well known. Um, it's called. Um, it, this this isn't me being racist and mocking the way that Asian speak uh, that Asian people speak. Um, the name of the track is Fly Day Chinatown. I will find it for you um, and pass on a link. Please uh, do, sir. It won't surprise you to learn that um, YouTube is the distribution medium of choice for all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, Doc. Yeah, I look forward to it. Do you want a topic? Yes, please. Give me a number, my good man, between one and seven. Six. Um, songs which sound difficult to play, but aren't. What do we think about that? Oh, Roughly speaking, if I can play it, then it isn't difficult to play. Mm -hmm. So um, songs which aren't difficult to play, very, very easy, anything that I can play. Go on, so give us some examples where you think, oh, you know, that, that sounds a bit tricky, but, you know, when, when, you know, when you've picked up your guitar or you've picked up your bass and actually given it a bash, you found it to be perfectly reasonable. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to defer to you for the first half of this because you're, you're 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 not a bass player. It's not an instrument of your... Uh, 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 it's, it's, it's not your instrument of choice. No. Um, I believe you passing you, you passed a comment once, which led me to believe that you thought that Joy Division had a much 
technically better bass player than they really actually did. Um, well, I mean, it's Peter Hook, isn't it, the bass player from Joy yeah. Division? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident, Doc, that I could... Actually, I, I, I think the conversation was was referring to the the guitarist, actually. But 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 if, if but if we're talking about the, the the bass player, I'm pretty confident that I could play pretty much anything that Peter Hook plays on the bass. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty well, confident. Um, I think he could too. Right. So um, I wanted to check that. I I, I believed long ago, as in several years ago, um, when you were sort of quite new to that band, mm. and you you evinced an opinion that they had at least one really good musician and that was the bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, don't get me wrong, Doc. You know, I worship the ground that Peter walks on. You know, I think he's absolutely, I think he's a fabulous bass player. But, you know, in, in terms of technicality, I, I don't think he's up there. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, so uh, actually that, that, that outlaws it mm-hmm. um, from today's discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had, said that at some point in your life you had been I won't say fooled because you never set out to fool anyone but you, you would misled yourself into thinking that some of those bass lines are difficult to play then that would have been a perfect example sure um I, fundamentally I have never ever mastered anybody else's song on any musical instrument fair enough so th- th- this is quite a difficult question for you to answer isn't it basically um yeah I mean um in terms of in terms of parts that I've learned, obviously nobody sits down um, and learns the bass part for a whole entire Yes song and sits in their uh-huh. bedroom and practices it. Um, this song came up um, quite recently. Uh, it's the Gates of Delirium from the Relayer album. Um, and there's a bass part a little bit before the solo, um, which um, I decided to learn um, as a challenge to myself. And it, it's not the song, it's not the whole song, it's just the bass part for about two and a half minutes out of the middle. Mm. Um, and I just assumed that anything that Chris Squire played would be borderline impossible for anyone of subgenius level mm. <laughs> to, be able to pull off at all. Mm. Um, and it turns out to be quite difficult, but nowhere near as difficult as I expected it to be, which leads me to believe that there's probably some part of it I'm getting wrong because... The idea of me being able to play a Chris Squire bass part mm. um, just somehow seems counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. There is at least one more. Um, I'd like you to go next. Right. I try and dredge up the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got three in mind. Um, now, as ever, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about this subject, I, I am discounting solos because I, I think that's a different skill set. Um, solos have never really interested me. I can play some solos, but I get terribly bored by kind of solo showboating. My first one I'm going for is The Trooper by Iron Maiden. You know, I mean, it's, doesn't it sound 
dreadfully complicated and really, really, really difficult. Um, yeah. But hey, it ain't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a few rolls down the, down the fretboard. And then if you can master kind of hitting an open string, um, you know, lifting your finger off, hitting the open string, tapping back on and then dropping to a different string and hitting a note there, you're pretty good to go with the trooper. It's, a, it's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, but in terms of like technical mastery, I'd say if you've been playing guitar for a year, you should pretty much be able to play that track. Oh, wow. Um, can you think of any examples from Slayer? Um, we, we talk about Slayer once or twice, like occasionally um, on yeah. this program. <laughs> I, mean, we, we, I mean, we certainly do. I mean, South of Heaven would be, would be a good example, wouldn't it? You know... Imagine, wouldn't you? That you know that that opening riff is is difficult to play, but it's not. You know, just because the pace is not there, so you've got plenty of time to think about it. Um, I suppose the only difficult bit is the fact that you you know you do have to kind of escalate up the guitar. I think it goes as far as the G string um, from memory, um, but no, but not particular, not particularly challenging. Just you know, just, just because there is there is time, you know, to, to make your fingers move correctly on the fretboard i have a follow-up question for your question and i'll try and keep it short because obviously yeah. time marches on mm -hmm. um people who learn metal solos or mm. we'll, we'll, we'll broaden the spectrum people who who learn rock solos sure is it considered very important to them to play it note for note the same way that the guitar player plays it on whatever their source material is yeah, well, I have I have a reason for asking this question, but, but can I'd, I'd love to get your answer to that question first. Well, I think the answer is yes, isn't it? Um, you know, I think if somebody is trying to kind of replicate the, you know, the the, the you know the cut from the disc, then yeah, you know, I, I think you know, like your bedroom wannabes that you know devote days and days and days to perfecting a particular solo, and fair play to them. I mean, it's not my bag, but fair play to them. Um, yeah, I, I think they want, you know, I think they want to be able to play the solos from Holy Wars, The Punishment Due, note for note, like Dave plays it.
reason I ask the question is this. Um, it's a two-pronged question. Um, prong number one is, as you know, I never cared much for solos mm -hmm. in rock and roll mm -hmm. um, in general um, until quite a long time into my life. And it was metal that... It was Iron Maiden that got me to pay attention to music with solos in it at all. Mm. Um, up until then, I favoured bands that relied on, that well, not relied on, but had much more rhythm guitar than lead guitar. Sure. Um, and my journey into the world of musicians who played solos at all was through jazz and not metal. Yeah. And obviously the point there is... Um, one of the reasons you go to see your favourite trumpet or, you, or your, your, your favourite saxophone player is you know there'll be a bit in the song. Um, so it'll typically be a song that you recognise, um, very possibly like from Broadway or even a nursery rhyme or something like that. Um, and the musicians will take the basic chord structure um, and the basic 12 bars and then they'll push that out of shape. And then you'll get the solo section and... The rules are generally, as long as you stay within the notes that are approximately within the chords that you've been given, you can play anything. And yeah. the, the challenge and the fun to be had out of it is how far people can push that envelope and what they're going to do on this performance that's different to what they did in the last performance. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very basic talk through. And um, I don't want to get a lot of abuse from a lot of jazz heads i'm relatively compared to you guys i'm relatively new to this stuff mm. um i'm only like six or seven years and 40 or 50 albums into like this whole sprawling mess of this literal entire new musical planet sure um but that was my introduction to music that had solos in it at all so i just wanted to get to know um in metal or in rock and roll um, do guitarists try and play the solo the same each time? Or yep. I think the answer is yes. I, th I, th I think it's a categorical yes. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, Doc. <laughs> Fair enough, Doc. Um, my next one, uh, and maybe my last one actually, um, that I'm going to reference, just, just you know, just just by dint of uh, time, um, would be Jotun, which is the first track by. In flames from their Horacle album. Um, <laughs> You know, there's lots going on in terms of individual notes, but it's just so, you know, the, the, the patterns that are being played are just kind of, they're just so instinctive that that's where you'd put your fingers. Um, mm. You know, that's just where you'd go automatically. Um, you know, that actually when you, when you come to play it, rather than just listen to it, it just falls into place naturally. Not taking anything away from the track, I fucking love it. That's a straight 10 out of 10 track for me. Um, but 
when you actually learn how to play it, you go, oh, is that all there is to it? Do you experience any feeling of disappointment when you discover that? No, not at all, really, because, you know, because the craft is in making the melody, isn't it? You know, um, you, you know it, it's like making a cake. You know, so, somebody makes me a cake and I eat the cake and I find the cake delicious. I don't really care about the technicality involved, you know, before the eating event. Um, I, I think my feelings on the subject are sort of pretty well documented by now, but um, I'm interested once again to ask the question because when, when I first got started playing instruments at all, um, I sort of started off being, being greatly abashed by the people who could play instruments better than I could play instruments. Mm. Um, and I didn't know whether I was doing the right thing by enjoying stuff that was like so so simple anyone can play that what do you want to listen to that for mm. um and I, I i had quite a few crises of confidence um about you know whether um, this was in fact evidence of my complete and utter lack of sophistication um it didn't take me long to come to my senses and realize that most of the stuff that they claimed to enjoy and they claimed to appreciate sounded like shit <laughs> yeah yeah, you know, did, you know, did, I mean, my, my general experience, um, you know, f- you know, from 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 like a metal point of view, is, you know, if, if the focus is on the technicality, rather than you know, like the like the vibe, the ambience, the mood, the melody, I'm probably not going to like it very much. You know, I, I, I think I think we've bashed Queen uh, uh, Dream Theater, but you know, uh, in the past on this podcast, but I think they're the perfect example of a band that just focus simply on technique and it's so fucking boring i couldn't give a shit yeah um and obviously we have to be at least the slightest bit democratic here um people who are listening um, i hereby give you permission to like whatever kind of music you like of course there because that's how yeah. fucking magnanimous i am wow doc look at you grow it's great to yeah. see um Doc, let's move on. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail.com. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to part two of the show. Here we're going to play the track, pause it, and chimwag. Um, Today's track is, of course, track four from Seasons in the Abyss, which is Expendable Youth. Let's rock. down again doc um yeah and uh, venom are back in a big way aren't they wow yeah it, it, it is true you're right yeah we've, we've plenty of venom going on there so so far on this album we've had a fasten a slow one a fasten and now we've got another slow one apparently i mean this is I, i'm i'm i was going to say something that might have sounded deprecatory and i want to say in advance it wasn't 
I'm an easy lay for mm-hmm. Slayer at this speed and mm-hmm. this level of intensity. This is my favourite kind of Slayer. Yeah, you, and, you, uh, you dig this, don't you? When kind of when they get gro- when they kind of chill out and get groovy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, if you expected me to have anything bad um, to say about this, sorry to disappoint. Well, no, I'm not sorry to disappoint you, but I'd have disappointed you. Um, no, I mean this. This is my shit. I I I, I love stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, uh, do you think that must have been a conscious decision, like in the, in the construction of the album? You know, we've got these ten tracks, and we've got to put them in some kind of order. You know, we, we're going to rip your faces off with track one. Then we're going to, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of rock back and, you know, fold our arms and, and look all kind of cool ass and, and, and chill out for track two. Then we're going to rip your face off again. And then, we, you know, we're just going to vibe again for track four. Well, um, I think going back to the 1970s, I think it was very common to the point of being usual to have fast track, slow track, fast track, slow track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so by this point, which is this is 1990, isn't it? That's it is 1990. Word. Yeah, it is. You're right. Um, and so, I mean, doing to do that would have been a retro sensibility mm-hmm. by 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you step forward a few years, and um, a band who set out their stall to be fast and intense wouldn't dream of making an album with anything less than ten cuts of fast extremity on it. Sure. Uh, but, but but we're talking dynamics here, aren't we? And one of the reasons I think both me and you love Slayer is the fact that they are just chock full of dynamics. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and um, I think many other bands at that time were as well. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm I'm going to advance a theory. I do this occasionally, and I'd like you to comment on it now and in the weeks to come. We're getting, are we not, to the end of that period of history where um, dynamics and diversity were really a thing in metal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, that's tough, isn't it? Because you know, I would say, you know, the like the rise of um, like your symphonic black metal stuff that I love so much. You know, I, I don't think Dimmuborgia are shorter dynamics, Doc. I have a, an interesting relationship with with, with Dimmuborgia mm. um, in particular. Um, I know I should like them, um, mm. and I know their kind of stall is set out very much as um, <laughs> um, second time in a row I've done this. As Smash Hits would put it, uh, they're the cradle of filth. It's okay to like, aren't they? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, if if you're a bit too true cult to be seen liking Cradle of Filth, um, but secretly you really dig Cradle of Filth. Um, then Dimbi Borgia are the band that are just like that, but they're okay to listen to. Well, you know, I, you know, I, I think, it, you know, like a true Cavalt black metal fan can walk around with like a Fort or Tid T-shirt with a head held high. <laughs>
where maybe, you know, they would not be able to do the same with a Principles of Evil Made Flesh t-shirt. Yeah, I think you'd probably have to say that they completely sold out by the time of their uh, by the time they released their first demo. But yeah, of course, the bloody Jesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the funny thing is that I end up not liking um, Dimit Borgia very, and I um, and I think it's because I'm not being contrarian now. I find them a bit not one note, but I find them a bit two note. So. Mm. Even like their signature, their their signature track um, is it's not haunted palace, uh, morning palace. Yeah. I love the bit at the beginning, um, <clears throat> but then it turns into My Dying Bride halfway through and they play like the same fucking riff for the next 14 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, mate, you, 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 you get some gateways down your neck, Doc. Get some gateways down your neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you might change your tune. the other one that um, came out and everyone said was much better than their first album? Um, Godless Savage Garden, is that one of theirs?
Godless Savage Garden. Yes, that's um, like a yeah, that's that's a yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's an EP technically because I think it's six tracks. It's got that fantastic cover version. I think it's called Metal Heart, which I believe is a, a cover of an um, an accept track. you know the, the the german speed metal titans yeah yeah mm-hmm. um sorry just a tiny side note before we get back to talking about slayer again mm-hmm. uh, for reasons that should be pretty obvious the first time i heard the name accept um i assumed they were like a straight edge hardcore band because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's that kind of name i knew you, um, you did right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, i first saw their poster next to a poster for Deerside and I thought I was looking at posters for two straight edge um, hardcore bands, one called Accept and the other one called Decide. <laughs> that's very good. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another band, that, who, like, like a one a one word band, where I think the name does not match the, the music. Because I, I agree with you, I don't think Accept is a, is, is, is a good name at all for the music they play. The other one well, I can it's, think of is... It's it, Nuclear War, does it? Well, but, but, but the other one I think of is Trouble. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, I absolutely agree with you. Um, they, uh, like, if you call Trouble, um, I... It's punk, or, isn't it? That's, that's not like, that's some kind of punky or kind of oi band, something like that. Yeah, oi, or um, some sort of, um, like, Midwestern bar band who only play Steppenwolf covers. Mm, um mm. And, um, and and who really, really love their motorcycles. But, you know, they, they, it, it implies aggro, doesn't it? It does not imply yeah. kind of, you know, like stoner doom, does it? Um, no, definitely not. Um, in fact, Metal John, who, who's, who's, who's Spectra, is haunting this project um, a lot. Um, on, when, when I used to go around to his house and when he was picking out something to listen to, on one occasion... <clears throat> um, He's he's from the Midlands, but um, he said in a very like East East London border bordering on Essex accent, and he goes, "You know what? I want some trouble. Do you want some trouble?" <laughs> very good. There we go. Yeah. Point proven. Point proven, Doc. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Um, go on, back to Slayer. What, what do we reckon? Should we, should we press on another thirty seconds or so? Yeah. See what, see, see what they get up to. <laughs> Go down, go 
two-note dock, you know, the, 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 those riffs, you know, you've got those kind of big hanging chords that, that, that drop in from time to time. Both guitarists just, you know, just hitting the big power chord and giving plenty of room to breathe. And in that breathing space, Dave Lombardo is going absolutely fucking bonkers. It's wonderful. A <clears throat> um, couple of points that I'd sort of like to highlight. Um, is this a Slayer track with something approaching a catchy vocal melody? Well, and that's kind of, that does kind of feed into the second point I was going to make. You know, again, this is Tom doing a little bit of experimentation. He's kind of almost back to the South of Heaven style, a bit like he, he kind of veered back towards that way on the second track, didn't he? Blood Red. But again, he's still managing to keep that kind of gravel and roughness to his voice. So there is melody there. There's no doubt, you know, there's a proper hook to, to the melody in the voice. But unlike on South of Heaven, there is still that kind of, that, that edge of menace and threat to his voice. I think it's fucking great, Doc. I don't believe this is widely said or acknowledged or admitted to or whatever. But if this album... is isn't a huge influence on um, like Nirvana's Nevermind album. I'm sh- I, I don't believe that, e- that they'd ever admit it, even if it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, in terms of um, pretty uncompromising heaviness, plus tunes you can sing along to, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm saying anything very controversial by saying that was the whole point of Nevermind and why it became so popular. Yeah. I, this, this is doing that a good couple of years earlier, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, you can imagine like a stadium full of people and Tom, you know, just stops playing bass for a while, kind of singing his, singing his vocals. And then he kind of waves his hands and encourages the crowd and stops singing. And the whole, the whole stadium of 50,000 people lying in a pool of blood, you know, singing along to it, man. You're absolutely right. It's, it's almost anthemic. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? You're spot on, Doc. You're spot on. Yeah. Should we press on? Yes, absolutely. So we just had a transition there, Doc, from one guitarist to the other. 
Right, so we've got a solo going on, but in fact, it's two solos. So you know what I'm going to ask you? Who started and who's playing now? Um, I'm not even going to attempt to rationalise. Um, mm. I'm going to let spirit flow through me. Um, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say the first one was Kerry and the second one was Jeff. Doc, I've, I've, the pain I feel for you sometimes <laughs> is almost insurmountable. It's the other way around, brother. Um, you know I don't gamble, ever. No. Don't you? And I could see why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see why. But it, it is so tough, isn't it? It is so, it's almost impossible to separate these guys. And it is now. It is yeah. like it's harder on this album than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Doc. Yeah. You, you, as the Bee Gees did not say, you lose again. Here we go. Let's press on. <laughs> go that was track four from seasons in the abyss which is of course expendable youth uh, doc first impressions please it's perfect as yeah. I, I mean it, it's i think i'm likely to be saying this about quite a few tracks on this album but mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's almost one of those uh this is the best song in the world even better than the previous song which is also the best song in the world <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. You've used the word perfect. That's a strong word. I can't pick any flaws in it. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you just can't see anything wrong anywhere. Um, I, I mean, if, if you plan to write a metal song, and yeah, uh, I'm going to stick my neck out even further here. We're beyond thrash. We're beyond heavy metal. We're beyond, like, um, is it thrash? Is it death? Is it, like, what? what? Um, it's just metal. Yeah. Um, and metal, as we know, is a genre that whatever micro genres it breaks up into is still metal. Mm-hmm. This is this is a transcendent. This, this album is turning into a transcendent album. Um, it no longer belongs to any genre. It's just metal. I think you're making a great point here, Doc, because I don't think hand on heart anybody could listen to this track and say that is evidently a thrash metal song no because it's just um, not is it well I, I mean it's got you can pick out tiny little bits of it um like right from slayer's earliest new album influence days mm-hmm. um that lead line um i mean which finder general or saxon would have played that 
Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. They'd have played something like that. Not mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't have been as good, but they'd have played something like that. Mm. If Venom would have played that. Yeah, that lead line, you're you talking about a spike of it, a diddle, 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 that bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah. that bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, um, it's got a heaviness, it's got a groove, um, it's got at least two really good melodies. Mm. Um, Je- um, Tom has finally found a way to like pitch his vocals perfectly in between the screaming and the not entirely successful attempts at singing like mm-hmm. he's, he's found a really happy middle ground yeah um it's a style or it's a styling that i imagine could get stale really really quickly because it obviously demands a constant stream of near perfect ideas mm-hmm. um if you're if you're going to um hold this rope um, you're not going to be able to get away with anything. You're not going to be able to get away with, well, this riff's okay, but what we'll do is we'll play it super heavy and then sure. the song will be... Um, mm-hmm. This riff's not too good, but what we'll do is we'll play it faster than anyone else, anyone else on earth could play it. Yeah. That'll make the song... You, you, you can't get away with any of those. Um, I'm reluctant to call them fig leaves, but they're things that we've heard Slayer do in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The riff ain't that good, the vocals ain't that great, but the speed carries it, or the heaviness car- or the intensity carries it through. Yeah, so you know the, the, the fig leaf being kind of the you know the, the the thing to hide the imperfection, basically. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get the image. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, 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 Duck, it's going to be a short episode because I can't argue with you. I think this. I, th- I think it. I think they are displaying here a level of mastery of their craft that you know. I, 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 I think it's kind of elevating this song. Unlike you, I am generally more of, you know, a fan of their kind of face ripping stuff. I, I, I generally prefer it when, when, when they crank up the, when they crank up the speed. Um, but, but here, I think, I think you just have a, just a, a, a confluence of such perfection. Um, Tom's vocals, Dave's, absolutely just inhuman fucking playing you know that oh those fills in the background are just absolutely sublime um and the 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 killer riffs um you know obviously we're going to get onto the lyrics very very shortly i just can't disagree with you doc it's absolutely fucking wonderful Wow. Um, yeah. This is the first time for a long time we've reached absolute consensus on the song, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right, Doc. Uh, on that note, should we move on to the, to the lyrics? Yeah, I think we should. Welcome to part three of the show, uh, which we occasionally call Evil Speak. Uh, here we're going to go through the, the words that Tom balls, or in this case, actually, croons in a kind of a strange kind of <laughs> you know, general direction. Um, Gonna hit us with the first four lines, Doc. Gun down cold on a raw deal. Home turf, my battlefield. In no one's way, caught in a crossfire. Stray bullets can kill. They're getting all kind of uh, social and political. Not really political, but kind of like social on our asses, aren't they, Doc? 
Definitely. Mm. Um, I had to check. Um, I needed to find out if there was any possibility this album was being prepared or written during any part of the run-up to the Yugoslavian Civil War. Okay. I, I don't think there was. Mm-hmm. There was ethnic conflict in the still existent Yugoslavia at the time, and I believe there were rumours of something that might turn into a civil war, but I don't think it was due to kick off for another year or a year and a half. Sure. That line, home turf, my battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, I first heard this album long after it was released, and um, I, I assumed it was about the civil war in Yugoslavia. This track? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, obviously, no, it really isn't. Mm. What do you think it's about? Well, I think it's, I think it's about gang culture, isn't it, Doc? It's like Crips and the Bloods, basically. Um, yeah. You know that. You know, Slayer are, you know, to all intents and purposes, a Los Angeles band. I know San Francisco tried to lay some claim on them, but it seems that you know Slayer are more of an LA band than anywhere else. Um, the Crips and the Bloods. That's LA, isn't it, Doc? And, 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 unless I'm grossly mistaken. Yeah, so um, I don't think Slayer... Are, are, um, they're not from Los Angeles. I think they're from the slightly more prosperous, um, dare I say, whiter industrial uh, industrial suburbs, slightly to the south of there. Mm. Um, but I'm just pulling up uh, Encyclopedia Metallum. Yeah, because we, 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 we've struggled with this previously. I mean, according to Encyclopedia Metallum, Slayer come from Huntington Park. Uh, Los Angeles County, California. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Huntington Beach, um, one of the many things, uh, I, um, I think, I believe there's a Boeing aircraft factory um, there. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of these pretty unglamorous places, but there's a lot of good and relatively high-paid jobs, uh, blue-collar jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's one of the better places for working class people to come, you know, to, to, to live. Mm. Mm. Um, there's a lot of big companies with a lot of big factories and it's possible to have, yeah, um, a job in industry and get quite well paid. Huntington Beach, I also happen to know, um, was for a while, maybe at about this time, strongly associated with um, extreme right wing skinheads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the kind of neighborhood they're coming from. And then, just up the road, which I know in Los Angeles terms, just up the road can mean 40 or 50 miles. Sure. Because um, it's, 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 it's a big old chunk of city, isn't it? It is. Um, but I think this was probably in the era of... Um, I'm going to paraphrase Ice-T a lot now, um, because he does a really good interview on this subject in the Hip Hop Evolution documentary series on Netflix. And what he's talking about is that when, when he was coming up through gang culture, which was the early to mid-80s, um, it was like gang culture in cities all over the world. So most of the crime was theft. Um, and there were pickpockets, there were burglars, there were car thieves, there were the more ambitious guys who were trying to knock over warehouses. And then right at the top of the pile, there were the armed robbers who would have a crack at like um, an armoured car delivering the payroll. That was a pyramid. The armed robbers were the very few people right at the top. And most gangsters were fairly small time thieves. And then he he makes a point that I've heard other people make as well, that suddenly um, crack is introduced into the economy. Um, And 
everything that had been some version of honor-based or brotherly um, or communal before, all of that suddenly went out of the window. Yeah. Um, and anything involving gang culture in Los Angeles just became, as Thomas Hobbes would say, um, a war of all against all. Well, this is, it's history repeating itself, isn't it, really? Because, you know, my understanding my understanding is that the same kind of thing happened to like the Italian organised crime, you know, mafia. Um, you know, w- w- when it was just simple kind of extortion, protection money, and stealing the odd, you know, like, lorry full of fags. Um, and when I say fags, of course, for our American listeners, I'm talking cigarettes, um, you know, um, then, then, then it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't. You wouldn't have kind of the kind of escalating turf wars. Basically, as soon as cocaine came into the in, into the equation, things changed. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a more obvious parallel here, which is I think there's a case to be made, and um, you'd need to consult a historian who belongs to the to, to the appropriate ethnic group. But I think in both cases, you can make the case that those gangs or those organisations formed for a minority ethnic group to provide themselves with protection. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, cocaine kind of changed things for the Mafia. The second, I think the thing that really changed things for the Mafia was booze. Um, sure. The government did them a huge favour um, by making all alcohol illegal and then essentially making control of alcohol, placing control of alcohol completely in the hands of criminals. Yes, exa- exactly. So, yeah, pro- prohibition just totally, radically backfired you know i've read some kind of conspiracy theories that that was the, the exact intention you know um but, but but we see it to this day don't we you know um you know cocaine is illegal to buy in the uk if i want to go and buy some cocaine guess who i go and buy it off doc a fucking criminal yeah um and i mean this is um i need to give credit where credit is due this is um, a libertarian argument, isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you make laws concerning gun control, all you do is take the guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I can actually just sort of pretty comfortably stand at a very safe distance, as in a distance of about 3,500 miles, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and um, comment in, on, on, on this stuff and stroke my chin and go, well, yeah, you know, those guys have kind of got a... Um, because... I'm not actually living in an out-of-control urban war. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, um, full disclosure, um, guy from another country, very, very far away from the ground zero of where all this stuff is actually happening, commenting idly. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, um, I think you're right. I think there's a song about gang culture in one particular part of one particular city at one particular moment in history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saying that, don't you think um, it also embraces the Slayer cosmology? Um, in what regard, Doc? We, 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 you know, we're just talking about the first four lines here. Yeah. Um, um, where we're seeing cosmology here? I can't see it. Um, let's read some more of the lyric. Here we go. So, chorus. Expendable youth fighting for possession, having control, 
the principal obsession, rivalry and retribution, death, the only solution. Oh, is that last line, isn't it, Doc? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go on, um, do, do you want to expand? Well, it's, um, it's another facet. It's another manifestation of the eternal war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, so, so here, instead of actually being kind of armed conflict in the, in the actual theatre of war on a battlefield that's sanctioned by the by world states. This is a an urban war, uncontrolled, desperately trying to be controlled by the world states, but they are desperately failing. Yeah, I mean, this is... Um, I mentioned the Yugoslavian civil war. Um, I know that wasn't the first high-profile asymmetric war, mm. but the, the Yugoslav conflict was... Um, it was the war that changed war forever because that's the point, I think, at which um, I think we can probably say that until World War I, war had by and large been about two armies fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the aim was at least to inflict as many combat losses. Yeah. And you, you hear sort of stories like the American Civil War, and I, I believe I've got this right, I think it was the Battle of Gettysburg, and... Um, Combatant casualties were in the tens of thousands, and civilian casualties were in the like less than one dozen. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout the 20th century, um, effectively, it became more and more open season on civilians. I'm, I'm purposefully ignoring the 30 Years' War because that was an outlier, even in its own time. Um, throughout the 20th century, it became more and more open season on civilians until you get to the time of this conflict in Yugoslavia. Um, and the army, with inverted commas around it, are no longer even attempting to engage each other. What they're attempting to do is sneak around avoiding each other and avoiding battles and um, just brutalising each other's civilians. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Um, I, don't, I also wondered, Doc, if... Um, but, but, but I've checked my dates and it, and, it, and it proved incorrect. I was wondering, as I was reading the lyrics, whether, you know... B- b- are they just talking about like, t- the, like, the, like the turf wars between the, the 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 LA gangs, or are they also maybe invoking the memory of the LA riots? But of course, my dates were wrong because the al- this album dropped in nineteen ninety. The LA riots weren't until ninety two. So you know, it did, no, I, I was wrong, Doc. It was just it was just just a thought in my head. Um, the LA riots were sort of significant in a different way because I think. Um, up until um, Rodney King got beaten up, yeah, um, I think the police still had um, some minority communities still distrusted the police. But um, generally speaking, I think people prefer totalitarianism to anarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, when and and people will put up with a lot of authority. Um, if they can be saved from savagery in the process. You've had your jabs, Doc. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, do, do you want to give us the next four lines, by any chance? Inured soul lies on the ground, head blown off, face down. Lying in a pool of blood, an accidental death homicide. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
this accidental death. Do you think they're referring to it like a specific incident there, or is that just you know, just, you know just the notion that you know you've you know you've kind of got 15, you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old kids, black kids normally, you know, wandering around with with you know with gun with guns. You know, the, 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 these aren't kind of trained weapons experts. Um, you know, they've got firearms with live ammunition. And sometimes bad shit happens by mistake. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to reference Ice-T again now. And um, there's a song um, of his called The Hunted Child. And it says, like, I'm only 17. I didn't mean to kill man, but I was slanging and banging for the thrill man. When they said kill, I felt chill man. But once once I pulled the trigger, boys, then things got ill man. Today in Los Angeles, another youth loses his life. Gunshot wound to the head. Street violence is at an all-time high. No joking, I'm sleeping with my eyes open. Morning for a homicide ride. The gun still smoking. Didn't know what I was doing, but did it anyway. Now the posse's on my trail. They say I'm gonna pay. Run! I had a gun, it's mine, and I packed it. Out with my crew, the boys, cause I'm static. Me and this sucker punk went at it. Bang! Nine automatic. And there's there's very much this, this notional idea of... Um, Little kids who should be, and they are the little kids who should be playing and maybe getting into a punch up and making each other's noses bloody mm. once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, have, and, and you know, the, the, these these aren't little Saturday night special two two pistols we're talking about here. They've got um, Israeli submachine guns. They've got um, assault rifles. Um, and once again, for people who love conspiracy theories, it was discussed a lot at the time. Where the hell are these? Middle Eastern weapons and Soviet weapons coming from? Sure. How are they suddenly ending up in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that actually not a great deal of conspiracy theory is needed to explain this. Um, but there was certainly turning up in the middle of black communities. Um, and lots of people were suspicious about the fact that however they got there, um, it was mostly white people who were the agency of them getting there in the first place. Mm, mm, very interesting. I think there were similar um, similar theories being touted um, uh, kind of last year, kind of in, 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 the, in, the, in the riots and disorder kind of post-George Floyd. It seems that, you know, mysteriously, pallets full of, like, bricks and... You know other, you know, implements of of destruction or, or weaponry were suddenly kind of laid in the street before these people. You know, almost as if it was intentional for them to actually kind of go on the rampage. You know, they, 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 these conspiracies are are neither new nor um, surprising, I suppose. And. Uh, like all conspiracies need to be taken with a pinch of salt. Of um, and the we're getting a bit off topic here, and I'm also threatening to start speculating uh-huh. um, about stuff that um, I wasn't around for. Um, and I don't, but it, it, it was certainly a fact. People were very curious as to, about, uh, as, as, as to how these little kids were suddenly getting hold of these weapons. Yeah. Um, because there was a fucking super abundance of high-powered firearms 
um, that were not even supposed to be in the state of California um, on the streets. And there was a great mystery about how they were moving around and who was selling them to who. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just just sort of once again, this this is a thing that, that Slayer do very often, and, and, and we always appreciate it when they do. They can use like a, a, a two-word vignette or, three, or like a, a, a three-word phrase um, and just put so many ideas in your mind about what they're talking about. Can I take the next verse now? Well, this was the last section, actually, of lyrics, because after that, I think it's repetition. Struggling to survive the drug-induced warfare to have control and principal obsession, expendable youth fighting for possession, violence is only a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you just mentioned like a two-word expression. I, I think the title of the track is the is the definitive two-word expression here. You know, because it it, it is it, it it is so it's it, it's such a simple little two-word expression, but it it, it it conveys the entire meaning of this track so perfectly. You know, just this idea of a, like a disposable, um, well, I suppose disposable, like the Metallica track, Disposable Heroes does it just as well. You know this disposable strata of society. You know, you know, the government doesn't care about them. The what? You know, the white middle classes don't care about them. Um, you know, the the the, the 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 school system, which probably you know the, the the good people work in schools generally. They probably do care about them, but they've kind of given up and lost hope because there's no, they feel like there's nothing they can do to save these these poor wretched souls. Um, and the, 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 you know they're, they're, they're just lost, aren't they? They're lost. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, um, the um, I need to check who used this expression first. Third world citizens in their own country. Mm-hmm. Where conspiracy theorists miss the point is when situations like this occur, and I think there's some places in the UK that are threatening to breed situations like this. I don't think there's any malice and I don't think there's any explicit racism involved. What I think there is, is a surfeit of indifference. Mm-hmm. Um, it normally happens when, frankly, other people have got their own problems to take care of. Um, which, we, which we all have, don't we? You know, you know, I walk down the street, Doc, and, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a homeless person and, you know, I have time and I have, a, a, you know, like a, a few shekels in my pocket, then I'll, you know, generally kind of, you know, either give them a bit of money or buy them a sausage roll or a cup of coffee, whatever. But then 100 metres down the road, there's another homeless person 
Yeah. Okay, I can't do it again, can I? And I can't do it to the next one, and I can't do it to the next one. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, do you remember... Um, and it, it's sort of one of our great moral dilemma moments. Do you remember um, coming back from town and crossing, you know, um, the bridge to Snow Hill Station mm-hmm. um, Christmas Eve um, and passing 27 homeless people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, so, just, it's so heartbreaking, isn't it, you know? Um, um, and, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, you get situations like this, uh, the, the obvious one um, in the US slightly earlier on, um, was for slightly different reasons um, when um, New York City just stopped working in mm-hmm. the early to mid-70s. Right. Every single part of the civic infrastructure stopped working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the city as an entity was declared bankrupt. Right. Um, I think there was one particular night in 1978 um, where there were 380 separate arsons. Right. <laughs> um, so the, the, this is the New York of kind of Martin Scorsese fame. This is like the mean streets. These are honorable men. You know, Tony, you got to worry about talking about one thing and it's that. Charlie. you got to be like me. Tony. I just be sure and tell him to be here tonight, all right? Michael. Giovanni. You're still around that kid, Johnny Boy. This Johnny Boy is named after me. Nice, huh? Oh, sure. But this Johnny Boy is a little bit like your friend Groppy, half crazy. I understand you try to help him out because of our family and his family. Well, that's nice, I understand. But watch yourself. Don't spoil anything. Honorable men go with honorable men. Four honorable men. And Johnny Boy. Why don't you make your payment last Tuesday? What do you mean? I made my payment last Tuesday. What are you talking about? and taxi driver New York we're talking here isn't it 272 second call 414 Hamilton 417 one item 5 no final 448 De Niro in Bang the Drum Slowly the critics called him a brilliant new talent Dr. Mean Streets they said he was a genius for his performance in The Godfather Part 2 they gave him the Academy Award. Come on, man. Just get me out of here, all right? Now, Robert De Niro creates a Come terrifying on. portrait of life on the edge of madness. Tabby, just forget about this. It's nothing. Taxi Driver, a film by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, people do anything in front of a taxi driver. I mean, anything. Yeah. People too cheap to, to rent a hotel room. Oh, driver, hurry up, will you? People want to embarrass you. It's like you're not even there. It's like, you know, like a taxi driver doesn't even exist. This city here is like an open sewer, you know? It's full of filth and scum. I think I know what you mean, Travis. But it's not going to be easy. How do you guys get to be a Secret Service man? Well, uh, uh, incredibly enough, after the era of taxi driver, it actually carried on getting worse for a Mm -hmm. number of years. I mean, there's there's a bit of film of um, Ronald Reagan visiting the Bronx very shortly after, um, after he became president, um, and the look on the man's face is various shades of I don't want to know about like I I want I want to believe that this is not happening in the country that I just started running. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get the impression that was the reaction of many many politicians. 
mm. and many, many other otherwise good-hearted folk. Mm. Um, you, you, you get to see this thing and you get to see the scale of devastation, um, yeah. which I've... I've heard compared to Berlin in um, uh, in the autumn of 1945. Well, I, did, I mean, we, we, obviously, we've, we've been talking quite a lot about Los Angeles this episode, just you know, by dint of Slayer's uh, geography. I think that is something that many Los, An- Los Angelians—is that how we describe them? Um, um, Angel- Angel- Angelinos, I believe they call themselves. Angelinos. So, I, I think a criticism many Angelinos have of the Biden administration is is kind of you know shocking dereliction of duty in not kind of in not visiting like the skid row area of los angeles to see just exactly the the, the level of kind of depravity and squalor that, that, that literally thousands of people are living in i think the joe biden administration is going to be hallmarked by um <laughs> I'm going to invent a new phrase now, um, and it's a complete response to, you know, you, you were talking about how Slayer do such a good job with a, a, a pithy two-word vignette. Mm. Um, um, I'm going to invent the phrase um, a genocidal indifference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, potent words, Doc, but yeah, I can't argue with you. Anything else to say on, on, on these last few lines, Doc? But, you know, we've, we've kind of got to move on to the last part of the show at some point. Um, so, the, as with the last song, um, there isn't much allusion, there isn't much what you call poetry here. No. Um, I like the fact that Slayer are raising the spectre of like the, their own cosmology and this, this concept of... of, of the eternal war and they're conscious of the fact that war has moved beyond the pitch battles of world war one to the um asymmetric but still largely militarized battles of world war two um we spent some time in korea we spent some time in vietnam um and now we're on to the the latest manifestation of um the eternal war which now doesn't contain any combatant troops at all mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 it's it's civilians fighting civilians, basically, isn't it? It's almost like kind of um, a little dress rehearsal for what all war was going to turn into from this point onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone who'd been watching the social conditions in Los Angeles during the late 80s carefully um, would have guessed what would happen when, for instance, a state fails. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to say something. And I'm, I'm not saying it for the purposes of being shocking, but the social conditions in Los Angeles um, should have given, uh, and, and the nature of the conflict that occurred there should have, been, should have given someone a clue as to what would happen when the very fragile dictatorships of Eastern Europe began breaking up um, what would happen when the barely functional dictatorships of West Africa began breaking up? Sure. And then, obviously, on into this century, um, what would happen when the appalling imbalance of power and the appalling lack of equality in the Middle East began to make its presence felt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doc, I, I think we're about done on the words. Um yeah, it, it, it's another top one. It's slide from time to time. They do, they, they do throw these fucking grenades, don't they, where they really, really make you think. Yeah. Um, and it's, 
it's always nice for me to see. Um, I don't need everything to be rage against the machine. I don't need like people growling social realism into my face for a whole entire album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always nice to see that people can 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 keep their feet on the ground, and um, particularly back to back with a song that's about Satan. Yeah, <laughs> very good, Doc. Let's move on. Welcome to part four of the show. Here we're just going to give you our final thoughts and summations. But before that, some details. Writing credits here. Music by uh, one Mr. Kerry King. Uh, lyrics by Tom Araya. Um, according to setlist, this was played 109 times, putting it in joint 56th position, along with Live Undead. Um, first play, uh, of course, The Chance Poughkeepsie, just like every other fucking track on this album. Um, and the last play was October the 21st, 2010. Somewhere called the Gibson Amphitheatre, Universal City, Doc, California. I've never heard of that, have you? Um, yeah, um, it's a theme park by Universal Oh, here's me thinking it was like Atlantic City or something like, you know, like crazy-ass name like that. Okay, fair enough. That makes much more sense. It was just a theme park. Oh, God. Oh, God. You've crushed my soul again. Every episode you manage it once. Um, according to Loudwire, um, they put this in a, in, in a very lofty 20th position. Um, and here's what they say um, When Slayer aren't invoking images of hell and historic atrocities, they turn to everyday life for inspirations of violence and conflict. Expendable youth thrust Slayer into war torn streets where gang-related turf wars can only mean one thing, death. The song's stalking pace drives home the theme with a sense of brawn and conviction. Totally, totally agree. Just a a great little write-up there, I would argue. Um, Final thoughts, Doc, before you, you know, before before you <laughs> before you put into your you know funny thing is doc I've been thinking about this when you know now that Slayer from time to time are getting a bit more kind of grounded and real our invocation of like Lequescent Skull no Lequescent Swords of Mouldering Skull is <laughs> <laughs> a bit childish but fuck you listeners we're gonna stick with it anyway. Um, well, on this occasion. Um... All right. Since you said that, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to give it ten brutal and uncompromising swords out of ten. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it gets ten mouldering schools from me as well. So it's, it's ten both ways. Any last thoughts, Doc, before we before we check out? Um, no, um, I loved it there. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just a, it's a brilliant song, isn't it? It really is. You know, when I was a younger man, you know, young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> this, this this was one that I that, that on occasion, Doc. Would you believe this? I would skip. You know why? Because it was slow, worried. It's slow eight. It's slow eight. You know. Um, but now, you know, as a man in his, um, you know, kind of mid forties, I listen to it now, and 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 I can hear the craft. I can hear the um, the integrity. I can hear the mastery of the instruments and. Not the precision of the of the compositions, yeah. It 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 it, it is so deft. It's it it surprised me actually. This track today. Which of these two slides? So the previous one and this one. Which of the two albums was squarely written off at the time as the pop album? I would South of Heaven for sure. Right. Yeah. No. No, no doubt. I, I don't think anybody's okay. dismissed this album 
you know, as, as being okay. overly commercial. That, that, that's south of heaven all the way, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not even a hesitation. Yeah. Not even a hesitation. Um, okay. Any final thoughts, Doc, or should we wrap it up? Um, no, I mean, um, I, I made a few final thoughts after my final thoughts. And then after my final thoughts and my final thoughts, I, I've, I've got one final thought. Go on. Um, can it get better than this? Oof. Well, I don't know, but, 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 you know, next week is another track. We've got another track to do, eh, we? So, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I suppose. Um, that just about does it for this episode. Don't forget, guys, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or an email at slaytanicvercast.gmail.com. So join us next time for track five, which is the legendary, I would say. That, now, that's not presupposing that I like it, by the way, Doc, but I am saying it's legendary. Um, it's Dead Skin Mask. You're going to be there, Doc. Of course I am. See you then.